Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 65 Praise is due to you, O Lord of Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who answer prayer, to you all flesh shall come when deeds of iniquity overwhelm us. You forgive our transgressions. Happy are those whom you consider, whom you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. By awesome deeds you answer us with deliverance, O God of salvation. You are the hope of all the ends of the earth and all the farthest seas. By your strength you establish the mountains. You are girded with might. You silence the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, the tumult of the peoples. Those who live at earth's farthest bounds are awed by your signs. You make the gateways of the morning and the evening shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide the people with grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with richness. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves in grain. They shout and sing together for joy. Exodus chapter 7, verses 14 through 24. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand by at the river bank to meet him and take in your hand the staff that was turned into a snake. Say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to say to you, Let my people go, so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now you have not listened. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. See, when the staff that is in my hand, I will, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall be turned to blood. The fish of the river shall die, and the river itself shall stink and the Egyptians shall be unable to drink water from the Nile. The Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over its rivers, its canals, and its ponds, and all its pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout the whole land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and of his officials, He lifted up the staff and struck the water in the river, and all the water in the river was turned into blood. And the fish in the river died. The river stank so that the Egyptians could not drink its water, and there was blood throughout the whole land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them. As the Lord had said, Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and and he did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians had to dig along the river Nile for water to drink, 
for they could not drink the water of the river. Acts chapter 27, verses 13 through 38. When a moderate south wind began to blow, they thought they could achieve their purpose, so they weighed anchor and began to set sail past Crete, close to the shore. But soon a violent wind, called the Northeaster, rushed down from Crete. Since the ship was caught and could not be turned head-on in the wind, we gave, it, we gave way to it and were driven. By running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. After hoisting it up, they took measures to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run into the Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and so were driven. We were being pounded by the storm so violently that on the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, with their own hands, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest raged, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete, and thereby avoided this damage and loss. I urge you now to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For last night there stood by me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before the emperor, and indeed, God has granted safety to all those who are sailing with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we will have to run aground on some island. When the fourteenth night had come, as we were drifting across the sea of Adria, about midnight the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took soundings and found twenty fathoms. A little farther on they took soundings again and found fifteen fathoms. Fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. But when the sailors tried to escape from the ship and had lowered the boat into the sea on the pretext of putting out anchors from the bow, bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the boat and set it adrift. Just before daybreak, Paul urged all of them to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have been in suspense and remaining without food, having eaten nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will help you survive, for none of you will lose a hair from your heads. After he had said this, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then all of them were encouraged and took food for themselves. We were in all 267 persons on the ship. After they had satisfied their hunger, they lightened the ship by throwing the wheat into the sea. Good morning, and welcome to the fourth Monday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac, broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 65, Exodus 7, and Acts 27. The, um, the Exodus reading is um, one of the plagues um, one of the early plagues, I think. Um, and one thing that we, I always, when I taught the Bible at Methodist University, um, one of the things I pointed out is that many of the plagues imitate what the Egyptians had done to, um, to the Israelites, to the Hebrews. And they had killed all their firstborn children, or killed all their, their children. And that's why Moses was put in an ark, uh, a woven ark, 
and set afloat on the river and found by Pharaoh's daughter because the Hebrew children at the beginning of Exodus are being killed. Um, and so the, the water turning to blood is a reminder to the Egyptians of how they have treated God's people. They killed uh, babies by throwing them into the river. This is um, why, uh, oh gosh, what are the names? Pisgah and Milha? I can't remember. The two Hebrew midwives were like, oh, they have birth too quickly. We can't get to them to murder them. Um, so it's this reminder of of their own history, of their own um, doings in in Egypt, and in particular Pharaoh and his, his family, what they did. Um, and so it's not uh, surprising that the storm at sea that uh, is the second to last chapter of Acts is the reading that accompanies it. And I, I don't say that because there's murder on the water, um, but because Paul is um, showing us we forget our own history. Um, I've experienced it, and I hear from others who have as well, and certainly not everyone, but soldiers and veterans feel kind of alienated from the church. Main, main, mainstream um, theologians and, and pastors um, have this you know, really flat, uh, overly simplistic understanding of the military that casts them all as trigger pullers and you know, in the midst of two forever wars, um, they're all, you know, they're guilty. And if they don't get, if they don't see that, then that's their problem. But they have to repent of all this stuff that they may or may not have done. Um, and uh, when we read the Bible, that's actually not the case. Um, you know, we don't see very many soldiers extorting people or, or abusing them. It did happen. It definitely happened after the Jewish war when most of these texts were written. Uh, but uh, at the time that they depict um, the the military structure in Palestine was that of local forces or locally recruited soldiers led by um, centurions who were also kind of rose up through the ranks. Um, and so the the cultural landscape was very different between when Jesus was walking the earth and when the book of Acts occurred and when many of these things were written. And Luke, the author of Luke and Acts, um, when he um, remembers, when he writes it down, he shows a much more friendly attitude to soldiers, which would have been historically um, reliable. There was a much more congenial attitude um, before the Jewish revolt of, of 70 CE. And this is reflected in Paul having... Um, almost communion meal. Um, toward the end of the reading, uh, they're all afraid of dying. Um, you know, it's, it's not a river of blood, but they're worried about the water. The water brings death, um, or it can uh, if we're not careful. And Paul has a vision, and he tells them, look, don't be afraid, uh, which is not unlike what um, Joshua was told when he begins the military campaign um, in Canaan to take the promised land, uh, be bold and courageous. Paul tells his companions uh, to, to take courage. And 
somehow, I don't know why they haven't been eating, but Paul whips out some bread um, and he gave thanks to God in the presence of all and broke it and began to eat. And he encouraged others to take food for themselves. And that phraseology, right? Taking bread, giving thanks to God in the presence of all, breaking it and eating it. That is very much like a communion meal. Um, earlier, um, the Last Supper and some of the earlier parts in Acts, um, that language is reserved for what believers do together. They break, they take bread, give thanks to God, Eucharist, um, and break it in the presence of all and eat together. So soldiers, in Paul's eyes, are, even if they're not members, they are, they are somehow connected and related to, to him. Um, and he, do, he does this practice, this series of actions that looks a whole lot like what he does with other believers and what other believers do in one another's presence. Um, and it makes sure to point out that the centurion and the soldiers were all there, and they followed Paul's orders, and sure enough, they survived. And when Paul says, take some food for it will help you survive, it should evoke Jesus' language of, I am the bread of life. If you don't eat from me, you will not have life. You will not have eternal life. Um, if you eat this bread, you will survive. Paul says this to the soldiers. Jesus says this to his followers. Um, and that isn't a coincidence. I mean, between you know what the original authors and, and subsequent editors, there's a lot of hands that went into this writing. Very few words or phrases uh, were left to chance. And so when it's, it's this kind of metaphor, this living metaphor for the Eucharist, for communion, um, it is for our survival, um, for our eternal survival. Um, and uh, it begins with thanking God, and it is done in the presence of all, uh, with, with bread and you know, wine if you have it. Um, and it's, it's this thing that reflects community, communion, union, togetherness. Um, and so Paul, um, or at least in Acts here, the, the author of Luke and Acts, uh, they're reminding us of our own history, um, not a history necessarily of sin, but a history of military and civilian communion that is not new, it's not novel, it's not um, an uh, an oddity or an anomaly as some, as Richard Hayes has called soldiers, they have been and always will be a part of the communion of God. Um, and it starts right here in Acts 27. And it, I mean, it began earlier, frankly. Uh, but if we ever need to be reminded, it's right here um, that there is no dividing wall between believer and soldier, that you can be both. Um, and that takes a certain moral clarity, just like it does with any job. Um, but that, you know, we've we've begun to forget our own history, begun to forget our own history, if we think that, that soldiers are somehow distinct or or odd uh, as members in our body. It's never been the case um, that soldiers are somehow, you know, specially, um, you know, 
have some special kind of dispensation to be allowed in or something. They've always been inside the church. They've always been full members of the body of Christ. Um, and Paul shows us what that attitude means. Um, and it includes, in this instance, soldiers who aren't baptized, but who are reminded um, that the bread of life is for all, and the table is open, and God's love and grace and uh, togetherness um, is, is for everyone, not just for the people that we agree with. A prayer for the church from the Book of Common Prayer. Gracious Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. Fill it with all truth, in all truth, with all peace. Where it is corrupt, purify it. Where it is an error, direct it. Where it is in anything amiss, reform it. Where it is right, strengthen it. Where it is in want, provide for it. Where it is divided, reunite it. For the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.